Welcome to Native Calgarian. Uh, today is the 100th episode. Today is July uh, 12th. I didn't ever think I would get here, that's for sure. So, Oki, Naganako, Meiko Chase, Chase Takomaki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, Wesley Chiniki Bears Paw Nations, and the Dene from Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, a very English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, and my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian. I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare People, also called the Great Bear Lake People in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a, is a visitor to this area called Clinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for acknowledging your role as a treaty partner and telling Indigenous people that we care about you. So my humblest apologies to Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share what I know as I walk down my red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free, open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area as well. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening and can to afford to give, thank you. For those that cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments and your questions. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, and I'd love to have you to subscribe if you're a YouTuber. For podcasts, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I'd like to give a shout out to my super loyal donors of Adam and Alexandria, Beatrice, Ben, Beth, Brian, Kat, Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, Jana, Jenny, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Melissa, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Shara, Sharon, Tammy, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. So I'm hitting quite a milestone today, so I thought I'd do that fun thing of, um, you know, recording and then also going live. So I'm just trying to give some waves to Mervyn and Diane, 
who are watching them live. I uh, show that I have a few uh, people watching right now, so I appreciate all of you. Thank you. Um, and as this is my hundredth anniversary, I, you know, I, with my podcast, I, I have a lot of guests. And when I don't have guests, I end up ranting about politics in general. And it's been a while since it's just been me, so I'll just try to give um, an update on a few things that, uh, you know, from messages that people have been asking me about hate mail and what to do when you get that, and then a few other things that are on the go right now. So uh, there's been a lot of stuff happening, a really big movement that I, I'm really excited about with the Washington Redskins and the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, for a long time, there has been campaigns to, you know, I'm not your mascot and to try to change the name of some of these really racist sporting events. And the reason why this is important and for anyone who has paid attention to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's um, conversation on media, it's also in the uh, 231 Calls to Justice about uh, media portrayal of Indigenous people. And I want to give a shout out to one of the folks I was so lucky to have on my show, uh, Jesse Went. And he uh, talks about media misrepresentation, and there's a really great YouTube video of him talking about this. So anyway, with that bigger picture of, uh, you know, racist caricatures of us or, um, you know, lying, basically, a misrepresentation about who we are and what we are. And uh, for me personally, um, we lost a really amazing, talented, beautiful young Anuk around Christmas time and one of her last retweets was actually talking about that bigger picture of changing the name when it came to the Edmonton Eskimos because it is a misrepresentation of um, that that terminology and it is considered a slur here because for those who do not know if you're not you know on my Twitter if you're not on my Facebook you might not be seeing some of the things that we're sharing and um, I try to share on a pretty regular basis a uh, post that goes around about um, tags that Eskimos were given by the Canadian government. So today uh, I live under the Indian Act, so according to the Canadian government I'm an Indian and um, according to the Canadian government Inuit were Eskimos and they were given little dog tags that they had to show when they were out and about and that of course is uh, racist and problematic and they used to shoot their dogs for taking off and and there's an awful history when it comes to the Canadian government um, and the Inuit. So the Inuit obviously are reclaiming who they are. Um, when I was growing up Northwest Territories did not include none of it and uh, the Inuit worked really hard to have that um, inclusion and that self-governance. So these are things that are really important to be talking about when talking about why Edmonton Eskimos is an inappropriate name and why Washington Redskins is an inappropriate name. So, and because of the Black Lives Matter movement that's been happening, um, you know, a lot of folks know money. Money is the only thing capitalists care about. So some of the sponsors that are supposed to have these diversity and inclusion policies realize that by having uh, racist names, basically they are not uh, following their own inclusion policies. So a lot of the sponsors started to pull their funding and saying we will not be showcasing racist caricatures, we will not be showcasing racist names, and um, the Washington Redskins in the next 24 hours are going to be re releasing their new name. Um, and as well, the Edmonton Eskimos, because of public pressure, they put out an 
statement that I quoted and I said, that's an awful lot of uh, words to say that we need racist, anti-racist training. And, and it's true, they do need anti-racist training to not understand this issue. It is really clear that, um, you know, the corporate offices are not interested in learning about uh, Indigenous issues and reconciliation. So as a result, they were like, no, we did our outreach and it's totally cool. We are totally keeping this name because it's so cool, even though the public and, you know, the Inuit are saying the opposite. Um, Nathan Obed, he's come out. I mean, he came out years ago and, you know, he keeps coming out almost yearly talking about why Eskimos is a problematic name. Uh, so he came out again and talked about why that's a problematic name. And um, the Edmonton Eskimos are, are really getting a lot of pressure to change their name. And of course, it's coming from sponsors because the public wasn't good enough, obviously, and neither were their fans. So, um, And now, for those who might not know, if you see me posting on Twitter or Facebook, I, I try to give the context that as Indigenous people, um, you know, I'm, I'm Satu Dene. So you, the Edmonton Eskimos can have all the Dene in the world saying, no, this is totally cool. It's awesome. Uh, this name just represents. But Satu Dene is not Inuit. Um, my auntie once, I asked her the question, what's the difference between Dene and Inuit? And she said, well, you know, obviously the bigger picture of like language and ways of life, but the tree line was a big one, the tree line. We lived inside the tree line. They lived on the outside of the tree line. So uh, for anyone to be getting a Dene's point of view on the term Inuit or Eskimo is actually not fair. Not And th there's that bigger picture of anti-racism uh, understanding and training. And this is the root of where the lateral violence and such comes from. Where if you don't understand what anti-racism is, what racism is, then you are the last person that should be giving your opinion. And I would have been that problematic person um, so my daughter was born in 2007. Even 2007 was really when I started to understand anti-racism work. So the Washington Redskins, Edmonton Eskimos, changing their name, I didn't think I would see that in my lifetime. And I'm really happy that it might actually happen here, not just in my lifetime, but like in the next month, in the next 24 hours, Washington Redskins for sure. On Twitter, um, native Twitter has been calling out Alyssa Milano for years on this issue about um, trying to get her, because she's one of the co-owners of the Washington Redskins to, you know, understand how racist it was. And she kept ignoring us. And worse, I think she even posed once in a headdress or some kind of native outfit that was like not native um, and, and a mocking of us, again, back to that representation. So um, it's uh, really good to see this, this happening and there being a, a little more accountability on that. Um, so I'm... Um, this whole week, racism was a topic of conversation at City Hall. And um, I was actually, I, I didn't watch any of it. I didn't watch any of it because, as always, the city decides we're going to have conversations about racism uh, last minute in a, you know, last ditch effort. And those of us who have jobs or responsibilities or engagements have already committed to other things. So I was, I was actually really disappointed. But I was really hurt when they finally wrapped up and they, they had this, um, you know, one reporter and she was reporting about, you know, what was being said and, and what was being uh, recorded by the counselors. And 
for those who don't who don't know, Sean Shu is um, you know the representation of Chinese on on the board, and he um, was part of the diversity team for the Calgary uh, police. And he is one of those problematic um, racialized people that's never had any anti-racism training whatsoever. So as a result, he was the one who put out the statement basically saying, there's no racism really, not like not really uh, in Calgary after hearing like three days of, you know, hundreds of people actually you know, sharing their, their deep trauma, their deep pain, their stories of racism, this is what they had. Um, with Sean Shu basically completely gaslighting what they said, saying, ah, eh, it's not that bad. I'm Chinese, it's fine. And of course, that, uh, that's exactly why I'm glad I didn't testify. Because I, had I put in my five minutes, I'm sure it would have went in one ear and not the other. And actually it was proven with some of the other counselors' points as well, because they, they said, you know, things like, oh, I thought I understood, but obviously I didn't. And, like, I literally ran because this is an issue. You know, I came with solutions, with um, the solutions that all of our ancestors have done and all of the folks that are working right now across Canada on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the National Inquiry, you know, they're doing that work. The work is done. It's there. The Ralph report, that's another example. Uh, we've had numerous, numerous um, reports when it comes to child welfare. Uh, I'm trying so hard to wave on, on this, and I don't know why I find it really hard. Oh, well. Sorry. Hi, Jean. Hi, Rando. Hi, Matthew. Um, so I just wanted to, uh, oh, bring you in the camera. I hope you don't mind. I don't even know if I can get this to work. See if I can get this to work. Can't bring Jean on camera. Sorry about that. Um, so anyway, uh, bigger picture. Yeah, there's racism in Calgary. And we've tried, I mean, I've been talking about it for years. I can name you names. Jackie Crazy Bull, Colton Crowshoe, uh, Joey English. And the list goes on and on. And unfortunately, we can now add a new name as of June 29th to this list as well. So um, um, first of all, I want to say my deepest uh, condolences to the Good Eye family, to uh, Ursula. There was a Calgary Herald article that came out, and in it, Nathaniel Good Eye, 35, was found dead in a northeast home. Um, potentially days after he was killed, the police found his body in the Margate Close in northeast, so my area that I've been part of. And his mother hadn't heard from him in six days. And they're not releasing anything and you know obviously she's feeling very hurt and confused so um first and foremost my deepest condolences to the good eye family and to all the treaty seven who knew the good eye family i am um, i'm super i was super disappointed to read that um this had happened again in really close proximity in my neighborhood and, you know, here we have Sean Shu, the diversity team, actually denying, really, racism. And we have another name to add to the list of people that we have to mourn and uh, seek justice for. So, you know, we'll be um, giving our thoughts and prayers to the Good Eye family as they uh, navigate the system. And I, I, hope, I hope to goodness that there's some justice for, for, his, for that family and uh, will follow their lead. And that's what I, anyone who's listening, who will listen later to the recording, 
um, you know, the, the best way to support families of Indigenous folks is to follow their lead and listen to what they have to say and don't listen to the reports that are in mainstream media or by the police because unfortunately they they change it to their story, not necessarily to what the truth is and certainly not from the point of view of the family. And I say that as somebody who has unfortunately years of experience of listening to other family members tell their story and the media not printing it properly or worse, um, you know, creating a new narrative and that's been really problematic. So speaking of which, Above the Law is a new documentary on the CBC and it basically exposes two stories about police accountability here in the city of Calgary. Um, I did notice they did not even mention the word Indigenous. They did not talk about the Indigenous perspective in any way, shape or form. That doesn't negate the documentary, but it, what it does show is that it's always that you know, we can talk about racism through a black context, we can talk about police accountability in certain contexts, but um, thankfully, because we have a white person and, um, you know, the son of a police officer murdered, that I know this will get a lot more exposure than what had happened previously on some of the other cases that I have spoken about. And if it wasn't for our native media, you know, um, really really talking about some of the cases that we have um, people may not even know about you know some of the other family members because unfortunately we don't get the coverage that we should in the mainstream media so here we are and thank you for that congratulations on my 100th episode for those who are watching live thank you and I appreciate those who are uh, tuning in always appreciate that so um Anyway, a lot of conversations with uh, new activists and new people interested in politics uh, asking me about hate mail. Um, you know, what do you do when you get hate mail? And unfortunately, for those who kind of put out their thoughts, their opinions, hate mail is something that is um, unfortunately normal. And I think anyone from the LGBTQ2 plus community, um, any racialized community actually does get hate mail on a regular basis. So. Um, so especially on social media, when you see get it on social media, the best thing that you can do is find that profile immediately and um, copy the link to that profile. And then if it is a, a comment, you can actually find the link to that comment. And I, I know this sounds like something the police would do, but they actually don't. So you, you do have to do this work. Um, so you take screenshots, link it to these screenshots because the police don't take photos, they don't take screenshots, they don't uh, take links and if you have to do all the prep work. So the prep work you, um, you know, showing profile pics, showing uh, Twitter links, uh, Facebook links, um, you know, Instagram links, whatever social media you're getting attacked on. And you start collecting that, and I, I collect it in a few different ways. I always have an album on Facebook that is um, hidden. It's completely locked. And I, I do that so that I can keep adding photos, I can keep adding links, and I can um, basically build my photo case. And then, uh, and then once I have that, I send um, basically what's in my album only I copy and paste it so that it's in like a Gmail and I send it to the uh, Calgary police. Uh, the Calgary police won't necessarily do anything. 
basically what they can do is just start building a file so that if and when something really grotesquely happens, we have a long list of possible suspects that it could possibly be. Um, if it is an actual death threat where, um, you know, it says, I am going to come to your house and kill you, then the police are supposed to actually investigate that. And sometimes they do. And sometimes, um, you know, they'll go visit the house of whoever it is. So, um, you know, you can do that. But nine times out of ten, it's not an, a legitimate, um, you know, death threat. and Or even hate, for that matter. We have such a small classification of what hate is in the Canadian Criminal Code. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with the fact that the Indian Act is embedded in our Canadian Constitution. So it's really um, hard to be talking about what hate mail is or what racism is when you know, it's literally embedded in our Constitution. Um, so... You know, I hope that helps people interested in what to do when you get hate mail or when, when you get, uh, you know, death threats, but it happens. And, you know, most of them are people who aren't legitimate people, actually. It's just trolls getting paid by some, I don't know, Republican-based um, uh, troll or mercenary group that uh, gets paid, whatever. Um, you know, that happens. It's part of it. So, whatever. It is what it is. Um, so today is the 12th, but yesterday was the 11th and yesterday was kind of a, a big day because in, in Alberta, we have something called, uh, bill one that's become law. Now we should have never had this bill become law, but here we are, you know, uh, Alberta votes conservative and believes that's the best party that's out there. And as a result, Everybody loses their, you know, pensions, their um, rights to a fair, equitable wage. I mean, <laughs> the list goes on and on. I, I could go on all day about how crappy the UCP is. Um, I knew this when they were running federally, when Jason Kenney was a federal minister. Um, I knew the shady stuff he did as an immigration minister. Um, I had people tell me that when he first got elected, I don't know, 2000, whenever, if that, maybe, yeah, 2000, would have been 2000-ish, 2011 maybe, um, when he was immigration minister, that he just took the list of, like, those who had applied from, like, basically India, Pakistan, anyone who was brown and just wiped the slate clean and said, oh, we're going to start over. So that's what they did. And um, that was kind of the start of me knowing that, okay, so Jason Kenney doesn't like brown people. Got it. And what then I seen and I learned throughout the course of some of my, the nonprofit work that I had done is that a lot of the nonprofit agencies here in Canada are are solely based in Christian values. Um, you know, the Calgary Catholic Immigration Services, the YMCA stands for, you know, Youth Christian <laughs> Men's Association or Women's Association. But the Christian part is the key component. So I found out when the Syrian refugees came, 90% of Syrians are Muslim or non, um, and only like 10% were Christian, but the ones that were coming here were 50% Christian. And that, you know, what that does is that just upholds the, um, you know, Christian supremacy, that the white supremacy that was embedded in the Canadian constitution, in the Canadian law, the Alberta law, that bigger picture, um, it was all Christian based when they came over here and, um, you know, stole indigenous lands and broke all the treaties. So they, of course, all the new immigrants that they bring in are Christian based so that that way we have a continuation. 
<laughs> so we have all of these, uh, you know, Christian organizations, nonprofits that just uphold Christianity and uh, continue the displacement of indigenous, our lands and, and go on and so forth. So, um, you know, a lot of the um, approvals that came from the Canadian government when Jason Kenney was uh, an immigration minister were solely based in Christian values and, and uh, Catholic folks. And um, so that brings us to today. So today we have Bill 1. And Bill 1 is this law that is specifically targeting any protesters of the Wet'suwet'en. That's why it was created. When the Wet'suwet'en lands were invaded a second time, and we had uh, protests, we had, um, you know, blocked roads and trains across the country. And as a result, this upset all the Canadians, and they went and made laws, and, and Conservatives made the Bill 1. And it's an unconstitutional law to basically take away our rights and, and deem anything they want. It's not specific what is public infrastructure. And then once they've decided that uh, there's a protest somewhere happening that they don't like, they can inv invoke this bill as a reason to come break up the uh, protest and move forward. So a lot of people see the gravity of Bill 1, but I, I'm not going to lie, the biggest upset that I had about it was that uh, the protest that we had yesterday completely erased the Indigenous um, truth. They, they did, and I'll read it to you. So this is what they wrote on their Facebook page. This bill now law is being challenged and affects all Albertans who choose to exercise their rights of freedom and uh, uh, peacefully assemble. More alarmingly, disproportionately affect groups who do not have access to legislative or corporate halls of power. Um, are we okay with having Bill 1 replaced through other methods, methods when it comes over court, blah, blah, blah. Political structures should serve us, not work to par uh, perpetuate many unjust sy systemic issues in our province. Notice they've never said racism or indigenous yet. This time should be nothing short of Albertans rediscovering the strength we hold and we come together as citizens to take actions and address um, crises that affect us all. We recognize the deep importance of inclusion and solidarity as a part of a legitimate social and political change. If you have something to say, we'd love to have you as a co-host as well, set you up with a speaking slot, accommodate any other cultural requirements during the rally, just message Animal Rebellion or AB Can Forward. Um, we call on all Albertans who value their rights and freedoms of expression and peaceful assembly to join us. Um, and of course they went on to um, COVID-19 protocols. So they did reach out to me and ask me if I wanted to speak. So I said, okay. Um, but I had read through like the folks who put this together is AB Can Forward, um, Animal Extinction, Climate Change Coalition at the University of Alberta, Raging Grannies, Reboot Alberta. And like these are folks who typically have zero, um, you know, Indigenous people in their groups or speak to us with any type of um, understanding of Canadian Indigenous relations. Um, the opposite, I can actually tell you instances of racism that I've experienced from some of these groups. So I was surprised they asked me to speak. Um, got some messages. It was very clear there was some problems actually with the organization of it. And I uh, didn't go public with that because, you know, I wanted to support the message. But while I was there, um, it was very clear to me that there was hardly any Indigenous people. I could only find 
one other person who was a speaker and then one guy who had, like had a full flag and I asked him to come join me and um, so to to the folks that are listening if you can't even bring you know indigenous indigenous people to support you in in your in your rally what does that say it says that it's not a safe place for indigenous people so that's why they don't come and I'll, I'll tell you some examples that happened so when I took the mic um, you know I was I was pretty direct with everybody that was there it was really clear it was mainly union people that were there um, acknowledged my uh, dad's local because they're on strike and um, although my dad's retired so it's a little different but you know it, basically these were people who you know are the nurses that apprehend our children these are the social workers that apprehend our children um, you know and 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 they're Notley supporters and the thing about being a Notley supporter is that you know I have showcased all the time that when she came to pride and started screaming build that pipe after we had a, one of the members of voices like do this incredible land acknowledgement and not just a member of voices I mean like what founder um, a Blackfoot Confederate um, member like this not just that I think he's like a, you know descendant of one of the treaty seven signatories and here comes Rachel Notley screaming, build that pipe, build that pipe. We've had this up for for at least two years now. This, you know, instance. No acknowledgement uh, whatsoever. Um, the Wet'suwet'en, when they were invaded the first time, that it was Notley's government that was in charge. Uh, John Horgan in charge of the BC one. So everybody is like, oh yeah, we freaking love the NDP. Um, just seen... Uh, well, what's his name? Jugmeet Singh and um, Leah Gazan, who's an MP for Winnipeg Centre, go to uh, Ganawage Territory to mark the 30th anniversary of of um, the siege. And, you know, people were super excited to have them there. But again, like, no leadership from them calling out John Horgan or Rachel Notley for the harms perpetuated against Indigenous people, specifically the Wet'suwet'en with um, the expansion that they have going on. And, you know, that just seems to go in one ear and out the other. So I really tried to focus on personal responsibility. Ha ha! Guess what I found out? Some white supremacist wearing like a, you know, mega hat, make America great again, was walking through the crowd. And everybody was so busy looking at him and recording it, they completely missed my point of view. Um, and I was really direct. I was telling people about uh, the new documentary that was, uh, well, I don't actually think I referenced it, but I, I, I specifically talked about how, you know, we have missing and murdered indigenous families in the city and that we need the police to be investigating it equally and fairly. I know that's what I, that was the gist of what I had said. And I know that just went in one ear and not the other, and, and I just don't know how to connect with the regular Canadian on this issue that there isn't equality. And that's why I've been so strong on talking about defunding the police, because we can't have justice. Like we, If Colton Crowshoe's murderers out there, Jackie Crazy Bull's murderers out there, Joey English's <laughs> murderers out there, and everybody's a-okay with that. Everybody's a-okay with our children being apprehended then you're not my ally and you're certainly not woke and you're certainly not going to have more indigenous people show up your rallies. So these are like, there's a huge disconnect there. 
uh, one of the raging grannies came up to me and she really wanted to, she said to me, oh, we want to have more people of color. We want to have more indigenous people. And I'm like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, she was uh, going to go right after this rally to some book club about white fragility. And I, I just can't emphasize it enough to folks. Like, you know, if you don't know how to talk to indigenous people, I, I have like messages. I have a really recent one from somebody who was like, uh, you know, I want to be a good ally, but I don't know how to. But she took what she, what she had said so personally, but it was really clear she was talking about Alberta. This whole message from this um, uh, event is all Alberta based. So people don't see themselves as, you know, colonizers, settlers. They don't see themselves as treaty partners. So they totally don't understand Indigenous issues. And it's so clear in the in the messaging that, you know, you know, nothing short of Albertans rediscovering their strength. You mean, you know, treaty partners understanding that they have an obligation to Indigenous people, that they have an obligation to the land, that they have an obligation to the treaty as partners. These are messages that are not getting through um, to these so-called leaders. And, um, you know, that is the problem. You know, I, I've had a book club for over four years and half of the folks that are a part of this would have never come to one of my, um, you know, conversations. Not not even one to try to understand why we're so far apart on our language and our conversation about this. Even though in theory we should be, you know, um, on the same team of social justice, political change, um, climate change, in theory, but they want to take our voices away. And that's how it's always worked, that it has to be, you know, this organization leading it, as opposed to saying, no, Ariel Deranger is clearly leading this conversation. Let her speak. Nope. It has to be the union head or the union guy or the, you know, fake organization that's run by unions that has to be the leader on this when it's not them. It's never been them. It's not even been me. I mean, I'm new to this compared to the decades of other Indigenous people talking about the problems of the planet. So we really are really far apart on this when it comes to that bigger goal that they really want is for us to come together. But when I'm, you know, having a Wet'suwet'en rally, you guys are back in Rachel Notley and her union signs that say, build that pipe. Yeah, we're nowhere close. You know, nobody's coming to the Sisters in Spirit uh, vigils. Why? Like, they're every October 4th. Every one. So, we have a huge disconnect here. Um, but, I do have a new ally. A really good one, too. Uh, so, some of you may have been hearing about Dr. Zadie in the news. And Dr. Dr. Zadie was originally with the UCP. And I, I always tell people who are like, wow, he should have known better because I've seen some of that um, gaslighting uh, comments. <laughs> I, always, I always laugh because it's like, okay, well, first, where are you coming from? Because um, if you believe in evidence-based um, politics, then why aren't you voting liberal, first and foremost? Uh, because the NDP have always just, you know, gone with union organizations and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah, this is one last thing I got to say about this rally. So I didn't even hear it, but as soon as I was done speaking, I left. And the next people up, I guess, were just bootlicking the Calgary police, like, oh man, you guys are so fabulous. Which, you know, Nathaniel Goodeye, Joey English, Jackie Crazy Bull, and just names that I can go on and on for. Like, yeah, screw them, right guys? Yeah, 
those cops, they're fabulous. And that's not even including the two uh, folks that were on this Above the Law CBC documentary. You know, you're not watching that stuff. You're not watching actual police accountability that needs to be done. So anyway, I guess they were bootlicking and um, applauding. And it's like, <laughs> Black Lives Matter is literally about police accountability. So you can't pretend that you're in any way anti-racism. Anyway, if you're like totally marginalizing indigenous lives and black lives. It's just the, it's the truth. Sorry, folks. So Dr. Zadie, at least, is trying to understand this whole um, issue about his, you know, settler-colonial relationship. And uh, when he was with the UCP and gaslit by folks who were like, oh, well, he should have known better than being part of the UCP, I'll say this, all Albertans like to identify as conservatives, me as well, because um, we all like to think we're fiscally responsible. We all like to think that we are, you know, very um, kind people, that we speak with measured tone. I don't know anyone who isn't. So anyway, he got kicked out of the UCP, or no, he resigned. I apologize. He resigned on his own will because um, the speechwriter for the UCP right now is uh, basically an Indian residential school uh, genocide denier. And Dr. Zaidi's like, uh, nope, nope, this, you can't deny what happened at Indian residential schools. So he's working um, really hard at trying to create well, he did create a petition. I shared it. I hope people signed it. I'd like uh, folks to not just sign it, but share it. Um, not seeing the traction I wish I would see on it. So if you're hearing this, watching this, please look for it. Dr. Zadie's petition about uh, Indian residential schools. And uh, it's on my page as well. I'll leave yet another link when I um, air this or when this podcast is edited and goes up. And uh, yeah, so share it. And he's trying to find a, an Indigenous lawyer to look over it. And, you know, I've kind of given him my point of view and other folks have given a point of view. And so we're going to have a meeting to try to convince municipalities, um, provinces. So, you know, your councillors, your MLAs, your MPs to, you know, understand. You can't deny what happened at Indian residential schools. So thank God we have somebody who sees the gravity of this. And because he's in the Muslim community, I think it will be really uh, positive because like, we need really strong advocates in that community uh, to talk about these issues. So my hope is that will go somewhere because clearly in the non-Indigenous Canadian non-Muslim group, they're just like, doo -doo 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 -doo, let's have some dimmies and not really caring. <laughs> you know? Well, they're carrying, caring-ing, but... That's a whole other topic. So for those who don't know the joke, uh, Karen has become kind of a, you know, white woman using her privilege to marginalize um, black voices, mainly indigenous voices. And that's just been going everywhere. And I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not gonna lie, because literally what I just told you this one particular event is just filled with people who, you know, are so unaware of this of what we're going through. I just shared um, a really great video and it was a, it's a black man just saying the difference between race, um, uh, not being racist and anti-racism. And it's that, it's that uh, afterwards, oh my God, can you believe that guy in the mega hat that he came here and he was like doing this and uh, you know, being Karens basically. 
And instead of doing something more and being like, hey, dude, not cool. Um, and anyway, so the hate crimes unit of uh, the Calgary police were there uh, to the folks that I know. And they came and I guess they intervened. But it, they did it, it. And this is the thing, the new activists and, and such, they don't get it. Um, because this was happening and they're so busy focused on this guy, what I was saying about police accountability and what's happening with Indigenous lives, that was just like, that's totally lost. We're not going to talk about what social workers do or nurses do. We're not going to talk about what police do. No, these are the guys who are here to protect us white people, right? So that's, my message was completely lost, so I might as well not have spoke at all. But at least I have my podcast, so maybe something will be heard there. Anyway, um, so I'm hoping a few non-Indigenous folks will you know, do some work, do some white fragility, settler fragility, maybe sign a petition, maybe even friggin' share it. Imagine that. That would be amazing. And um, yeah, go just beyond that. I hope that people start seeing their role as settlers, their role as, you know, perpetuating this. Um, you know, I get a kick out of realtors, especially because they're like, let's sell that house. Let's sell this lot and it's like yeah let's sell stolen land because you guys all fall for this banking system this capitalist system so you're going to steal the land and then make people pay mortgages so that people who pay mortgages think that they actually have an ownership of land this is like it's such a disconnect between canadian and indigenous ways of thinking there so anyway um so i wanted to just go over those things i hope that uh you know, you know what to do if you get some hate mail, that's for sure. And I hope that you start following the case of uh, Nathaniel Goodeye, because that's going to be something that I'm going to be trying to raise awareness to, um, based off of what the family wants and their direction, of course. Um, go from there. And yeah, so all these organizations, AB Can Forward, uh, Animal Extinction, Climate Change Action Coalition, Raging Grannies, Reboot, Alberta, bloody hell, I hope you read White Fragility. And I really hope that you consider understanding what oppression is because these are, it is clear to me that when people say to me, oh, we really want, um, you know, folks like us to be a part of Raging Grannies. Well, it is very clear you don't understand the whole pyramid of white male, you know, white women, um, you know, um, immigrant men and black men and then down at the very very bottom are indigenous women indigenous two-spirit who are in complete and utter poverty because we stole our lands we live under the indian act which is sexist and racist we don't get dollar to dollar anything funding um, wage nothing and then you wonder why we're at the bottom and then you wonder why people can't show up at this like even i had to spend two bucks on parking in order to go to this and nobody you know, <laughs> gives you money for that. And um, so we're expecting like elders to show up to these events when they don't necessarily have capacity to. And there's a million other things going on and COVID-19 is happening. And, and I won't, I'm not going to lie. There was no mask given to me, you know, um, I was on the call, so I kind of forgot, but it was in the back of my van. So I feel bad because uh, I'm the first person to talk about emergency fatigue. And um, it's something that we're all going through right now where, you know, we try to be di uh, diligent in our hand washing routines and our 
face mask uh, wearing routines and are limitation limiting to other people but I'm starting to feel like but I need to hug people so when people want to hug you know I give it to them even though we're in COVID-19 and we should be practicing social distancing but it's really hard because he's like mentally and physically we need to hug each other so yeah but wear your mask six feet uh, social distancing washing your hands I am trying really hard I still haven't got my nails done I don't know if and when I will um, I need to go to the dentist but I've been delaying it because again I don't know how to do all of this like I, I absolutely need to get my neck and back massaged and go see a chiropractor and I went and seen a chiropractor the other day and trying to listen to my lawyer on my car accident all of those things like it's hard it's hard to balance it all and I don't know what the right answers are but I know individually they're different for everybody so anyway um, just encourage you to try because that's the only way that we can do this anyway Indigenous have been talking about our issues, our traumas, in reports, commissions, public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. Clearly, uh, we have it on record now in the Calgary City um, hands are their notes. Um, no more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus budgets, um, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay-straight alliances, know that your vote to that party directly impacts marginally, marginalized people negatively. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to actions, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, uh, there's 231 calls to justice on the National Inquiry, Hi, Melissa. You're amazing, too. <laughs> um, denying this is a form of abuse called gaslighting. And I really felt gaslit this week hearing, you know, and, and I, I should say this, too. I, I got um, a little blog on Madam Premier. They're really a clothing line to try to encourage people to wear, you know, clothes of gender in inclusion and equity. Anyway, I got a little blog on there and I, I talked about running with regrets because I'm seeing, you know, the new people that are here uh, doing activist work. I see you. I'm proud of you. I'm honored you're doing that work. We, I absolutely passing the torch to anybody interested in actually advocating for these issues. But, um, you know, a lot of people are going to tell you, oh, you should run. Oh, you would be such a good person. But I promise you, these people who are blowing sunshine up your butt, they won't donate, they won't volunteer, and when push comes to shove, they won't endorse because, oh, well, you know, my friend over here is running and I don't want to um, rock the boat or, you know, I well, I promised them I would help, so, you know, it would look silly. So these people are going to tell you, oh, no, you'd be such a great candidate. And I can tell you, you know, here's an Indigenous woman who felt like I had the solutions. And when push came to shove, nobody supported me. So, you know, um, I actually met a fellow when I was leaving this rally. And he said to me that he lived in Southview. And he got kicked off the uh, Alberta Party board. And I know Nate Pint did and publicly uh, Jody Miller did as well. Which sucks. I, <laughs> you know... 
On one hand, as parties, we're like, no, we totally want you to get involved. On the other hand, we're going to kick you out for so-called saying something controversial. Well, no wonder I'm not doing well. If you think what they're saying is controversial, no wonder you didn't support me. Um, but that it's that bigger picture that, you know, it's... You know, you have Dr. Zadie, who's trying to do good work in the UCP party. Um, I have another friend who's a two-spirit person um, up north, and she's trying to do good work in the party. But um, it's hard. This is hard work. And uh, people take what you say out of context, and before you know it, like, nobody wants to work with you. Which is probably part of the reason why I have a podcast. <laughs> anyway, this gaslighting is hurting people in the parties, too. Obviously, there's a lot of lateral violence in the parties, and that's what I was trying to say when I said that, you know, this abuse is called gaslighting, because you see it. You see it in every every medium. Our people are experiencing extreme racism because, I mean, I can't even get my voice out to social workers, nurses, uh, police about, you know, the issues that we're experiencing, even though it's public. Anyway, um... We have multiple reports that say the same thing. We have graves that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they literally have zero business running. Like, this is all oppression. So if you don't understand oppression, then no wonder you don't understand why Native people are showing up at some of these things. Anyway, great article that I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth. How non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. You know, share that one over and over and over again. Um, I want to continue by putting cultural safety into action so that you can create a safer space for Indigenous people of colour and those with disabilities, LGBTQ2+, to speak. Um, look at it as first aid for marginalization. You have to do something. Having good intentions is not enough. And this is what I was talking about when I said the little video that I put out about actually being anti-racism means you have to do something. Um, take action to make change. You have to speak out against racism. You have to ask questions of those of, with more understanding. So like for me, I follow Adora. I follow Desmond Cole. Uh, these are people that I learn from. Um, I don't necessarily ask them questions though. Maybe I'll take that part out. But you got to find allies and create a support system for yourself um, to advocate for those culturally safe approaches. You know, take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, um, ask questions yourself. <laughs> Do not expect this learning to come from marginalized people because the answers are there. I know they're all there, whether it's we're talking about this topic or this topic, it, it's all there. Um, Take time for self-reflection. Beware of your assumptions, assumptions and biases. Question everything that you've learned and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Because even for me, what did I say? Uh, Ten years ago, I would have been thinking, oh man, is Dave Chappelle ever racist? Because he throws around the N-word. But now that I understand oppression, and I understand I live under the Indian Act, and I'm called names by the Canadian government that are nothing but slurs, I can use those terms, but nobody else can. Um, in, like, you know, non-natives can't. Um, and use those terms. And now I understand why Dave Chappelle throws out the N-word like, like nobody's business. And I don't judge him, but I used to judge him. So those are my assumptions and biases that I had to unlearn. And I'm sharing that in the hopes that you'll go, those natives, they don't do anything. Uh, you'll question that and wonder why. Um, why that is. 
and then you'll see, oh, the Indian Act prevents this. Oh, the Indian Act prevents that. So maybe they aren't so awful. Maybe you just had biases and assumptions that were laid in mistruths. Anyway, um, oh, internalized and racism and lateral violence, such a good topic. Internalized racism, lateral violence, really great topics. I just shared something from, uh, oh, I should have brought it up, but it, anyway, it was, uh, Ali. She, she talked about, uh, you know, me being a native person. If I'm the person that says, no, Edmonton Eskimo name is totally cool. then I actually become the oppressor for folks that are racialized and are like, no, police are totally awesome. When I can list you names of people who are like, there's no justice for them you know, <laughs> you're being the oppressor. So anyway, lateral violence, internalized racism. Um, these forms of violence really are because of the structure of racism. And you have to unlearn that. You have to unlearn that as an indigenous person, as a black person, as a marginalized person. Um, you know, we learned a lot in voices about gay people not really dealing with their internalized racism. Anyway, you can Google this, racialequitytools.org uh, by Donna Bevins has lots of good resources, do's and don'ts for bystander interventions by the American Friends Service Committee. If you are witnessing public instances of racism, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-indigenous, you know, you got to be a part of the solution. First record this stuff. It's a lot easier to delete it later than it is to wish you would have had it on record. And this is what all of George Floyd was about. This is what Rodney King was about. <laughs> you know, we, we can go on and on about that. Anyway, you know, just offer your support. Give people your card. Validate them with that. You know, try to sit with them if you need to. Whatever that looks like. Be, just be safe. And don't call the police. Because for a lot of us, that would make things worse. And we're seeing that. Welfare checks mean dead natives. So don't do that. Because chances are, not going to be good. Um, and we want to reduce that. You know, and it's when I ran uh, municipally, provincially, I've always talked about more mental health resources for first responders. I know that goes in one ear and one out the other because people think I'm just anti-cop, but I'm not. Um, I'm for police accountability. Whatever. Don't escalate the situation. Um, I said whatever because obviously my points when I ran went in one ear and out the other. And now we have new, you know, folks who aren't as jaded as I am coming up and are being encouraged to run. And I hope to God that when people tell them that, they say, okay, show me the money um, and show me your volunteer time. Um... Silence is dangerous, leaves, um, it communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed to communicate your support and teach your kids about accountability. There are like age appropriate anti-racism books. These kids are learning it from somewhere. So I know you're all thinking, but I don't put on a KKK hat, but by not talking about racism, that is inherently racist. So if you have little white kids walking around and they're like, we're not racist because I have a black friend, then you're not doing your job, parents. You're just not. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Help for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Violence is my everyday reality, 
every indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast. Speak freely, without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslight questions. Many people don't want to hear indigenous opinion, but sure as fuck I want to tell us theirs. Usually by people who don't know anything about indigenous people. Know nothing about colonialism. Know nothing about the constant uh, surveillance and microaggressions of indigenous people people dealing with internalized racism so when you get your one you know person who's like yeah those cops are fantastic those become the very people who are our oppressors they become the gatekeepers they survive off the status status quo and then we have people who are really in their trauma um, and they stop people from being able to do the good work and deplete the personal resources internalized racism sexism is an everyday reality for indigenous people and that's why I needed this podcast. But I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian roots and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. This is through her. I am a second generation proud Calgarian. And I want to say thank you to my husband Darcy for producing and head- editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism, and we're unpacking it together. To our child, who we are blessed to learn from every day, I'm honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better, stronger person. And my hope is my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they can understand down the road. Thank you again to my Patreon account um, supporters. You can go to my uh, Native Calgarian account or to pledge and support. Thank you, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Ben, Beth, Brian, Kat, Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, uh, Jenna, Jenny, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Melissa, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, uh, Shara, Sharon, Tammy, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or had, or many and had to quit for financial reasons, just know that I appreciated your support. Um, again, $2 for parking. Hey, it helped. So thank you so much for that because it's, it allows me to speak about these things, even if some people didn't hear it. Um, do, 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 where am I? If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, Love to hear from you at nataYYC at gmail.com or you can send in your comments and questions. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to, a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would say, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you all for listening.